are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We've been welcoming new members lately, and I'm looking for Jim Alexander. Jim, would you stand up right where you are? And uh, I would love to welcome Jim into membership. I'm not finding you, Jim. Can you wave at me? Or there you are, right back here, okay? Jim came just a year ago, his daughter Cheryl and son-in-law, I love this name, Ty Cobb, invited him. And he has been coming ever since. And Jim volunteers in either our light or our camera almost every Sunday. And Jim, we welcome you to membership here at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. I'm really honored to be your pastor. Let's welcome Jim, okay? I love it when people just jump in and get involved like Jim has. 32 years ago, 30, 32 years ago, I loaded all of my earthly possessions into a Ford Fiesta. Didn't have many earthly possessions. I just graduated from college and, and I drove to Kansas City, Missouri for the purpose of attending seminary. So I got there on a Wednesday night and I had some college friends who had just gotten there ahead of me. And on Sunday, we went to church, to the church that I would attend all the years that I was in Kansas City. And I remember when the service just had started, this pastor stands up, a little bit deliberate in his presentation, looks everybody in the room in the eye, everything is quiet, we're waiting for him to speak, and he simply says this, what is it in your life today? that is your greatest need. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask God for today? I mean, I was locked in. He had me. And the reason He had me was because I'd just driven across country to this city that I'd never been to before. And, and, and I was anxious about finding friends and fitting in and doing well in school. I did not have a job. I did not have a place to live. I was sleeping on somebody's couch. And I felt like there were so many unknowns in my life right then that I just had a whole lot that I needed God to do for me. You know what I realized? I realized that you come to church on Sunday morning sometimes and you walk in these doors and you've come for the purpose of worshiping, but you are going through a season in your life where you are carrying a really heavy load. And I realize that for some of you, you come in and you just, you just don't know what the answer is. You've got a problem and you don't have a solution for it. You've got like a mountain in front of you. You don't know how you're going to get over it or around it. You've got a situation and it's kind of weighting you down and you're carrying this heavy load and you're wishing God would step up and do something and you're just struggling. You're just carrying a heavy load. You know what I've realized about myself? I've realized that when I'm going through seasons like that and I find myself at a department store, a grocery store, or even walking through church on Sunday morning, I think to myself, I wonder how many people here are kind of carrying one of those heavy loads right now. So here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Sometimes we come to worship. In fact, I think for some of us, often we come to worship. And we're broken. 
Maybe it's physical brokenness that you're experiencing. Maybe you're sick physically. You got something going on in your body physically. There's brokenness there. Maybe it's spiritual brokenness. Maybe there's sin in your life. Things aren't good with you and God. and You've got stuff going on. You need to get it worked out. Maybe it's emotional brokenness. You're struggling. Maybe it's financial brokenness. Whatever kind of brokenness it may be in your life. But you're carrying that stuff. And, and what you realize is that you come to church on Sunday morning and what you really need is healing. Or what you really need is forgiveness. Or what you really need is restoration. What you really need is a miracle. Because you can't fix this. If you could have fixed it, you would have fixed it a long time ago. You wouldn't still be carrying it. I mean, if you could do something about it, you would have already done something about it. You would have gotten yourself out of this situation, but you can't fix it. And what you need is for Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. You need healing. You need forgiveness. You need restoration in your life. Because today, you feel broken. So let me, let me show you the story in the book of Luke chapter, chapter 13. Okay, Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Luke chapter 13, verse 10 is this beautiful story, and I promise you, you're going to love the story. Okay? So one Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And there was a woman who was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. So, all right, now when you say she's been crippled by a spirit, like exactly what does that mean? And so the next verse explains that. It says that she was bent over like this and she could not straighten up at all. So if this is my condition and I want to look at you, I'm pretty much going to have to turn to the side to look at you. And so this is how she lived her life for 18 years. She's bent over, and she can't fix her situation. I promise you, if you live this way 18 years, and you had some way to get out of this position, you would get yourself out of the position, right? But, but she could not fix her own situation. In my mind, here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming that she believes that she's going to die bent over like this. That, that there really isn't any hope. She's got a problem. She doesn't have a solution for it. She doesn't have the ability to fix her situation. And so she lives her life. Now, I told you I was raised in this small Kentucky town. And we had a little lady there in our town. And I remember growing up and seeing her and knowing her and meeting her. But she was bent over about this far. And, and all those years that I knew that lady, until she died, she was bent over like this. Now, here's what happens in the story. When Jesus saw her, I, I love these three words. He... He called her forward and he said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity, your sickness. And then, listen to this, he puts his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and she praised the Lord. That's great stuff, isn't it? Not in everybody's mind, because listen, indignant, because Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, you might laugh when I read this, honestly, you might, it's kind of comical. Hey, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on one of those days, not the Sabbath. <laughs> I think I'm going to get healing whenever I can take it. 
So, here's what happens. Uh, the Lord answered him, You hypocrite! And in other words, he's saying, you're, you're a phony, you're a fake, you, you wear a mask. You, uh, you try to be somebody or appear to be somebody that you're really not. That's what he's really saying when he says you hypocrite. Because the idea comes from putting on a mask. Um, I want you to think I'm this way and I'm this kind of person right here, but really I'm somebody else. Jesus says, that's what you're doing. You're a phony. You're a fake. He says, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Now, I don't own an ox or a donkey, but if I did, I would probably want it to drink something on the Sabbath, all right? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Here's the last, last sentence. When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted. You ever notice nobody really liked Jesus except the people? It was just the people that were crazy about Jesus with all the wonderful things he was doing. This is good stuff from God's Word. So what can we learn from it? Okay. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. I think before we can dig deep into this, we've got to deal with what's really on our minds and what comes to the forefront of a conversation like this. So here's the question. If you, if you could ask God one question and you were guaranteed that He would answer that question, what question would you ask God? Now, I mean, really engage with me here, okay? Don't just let it go over your head. Think with me. You can ask God one question. Somebody's making you a deal, and God is going to answer that one question, okay? Um, what question would you ask God? So a few years ago, a guy whose name is George Barna, who surveys people, he asked people that question. If you could ask God one question and you were guaranteed an answer, what is the one question you would like to ask God. Do you want to know what the number one question was? Nobody wants to know what the number one question was? Okay, you do. Okay, you're on the edge of your seat, right? You can't wait, right? Here was the question. More people asked this question than any other question. They said, if I could ask God one question and He's going to guarantee me an answer, this is what I want to ask Him. Why, God, do you allow pain and suffering? Why do you let a little lady live like this for 18 years of her life? Now, here's the struggle with the conversation. And it's been a long-term struggle. We've talked about it some. People say, well, here's my concern. If God, okay, is really love and He is good, do you believe He is love and do you believe He is good? Okay, if He is love and He's good, and if He is also omnipotent, do you know what omnipotent means? It means He has all power. It means He can do anything He wants. Do you believe He's omnipotent? Okay, so if God is love and good, and if He is omnipotent, all-powerful, then why? Somebody tell me, would He allow pain and suffering? Why wouldn't He just wipe it out? I mean, if God really is love and good, and if He is all-powerful, then why does He allow pain and suffering? And some have concluded, then either He is love and good, or He is all-powerful, but He can't be both. Because if He were love and all-powerful, He would do something about human suffering. And some people have determined in their hearts 
that a good and powerful God and human suffering cannot coexist. Now, here's the deal. When you open the Bible and you say, we want to know something about pain and suffering. Here's what the Bible gives. It gives us a linear view, okay? So that would be the opposite of what? A cyclical view, right? A linear view of pain and suffering would say that it has not always been. So here is time moving forward, and there was a time when pain and suffering starts. There was not always pain and suffering. It also tells us that there is a time when pain and suffering will be no more. And so then we beg the question, so when did pain and suffering start? You remember a couple of months ago, we were in Genesis 3, talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. They give in to temptation, and what do they do? They sin. Sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, we become a fallen race, a fallen creation. And the consequence of sin is pain and suffering, and even death. And now... Death becomes part of human existence with all of its preliminaries, including pain and suffering. So here's what I'm trying to say to you today. I want you to listen closely, Kabbalah. I think this is sometimes where we really struggle to understand everything about God, okay? God is not the author of pain and suffering. I want you to look me in my eye for a moment because I want to say to you that God has never brought cancer on anybody. God has never struck somebody and said, you're going to be like this. God is not the author of pain and suffering. The Bible tells us clearly who the author is, okay? I mean, look at the text that I read you just a moment ago. Here's what it says. It says, she has been crippled by a spirit. Now listen closer. The woman whom Satan has kept bound. So who is the author of pain and suffering? It is Satan. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you have an enemy. He even gives you his name. You have an enemy. Whether you want an enemy or not, you have an enemy. And the Bible says you have an enemy, the devil. And he just roams around looking for somebody to destroy. He wants to attack you and leave you broken. God does not attack you to leave you broken. Only Satan attacks you to leave you broken physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, and any other lees you can think of. That's the work of the enemy. And so if you're dealing with pain and suffering today, this is the work of the enemy in your life. And his goal is that you live the rest of your life broken. So what do you do with this? You know, after we graduated, I graduated from seminary. By that time, I'd met Annette. We had had a baby, Brittany. And we moved to the northern part of Nashville, Tennessee. I was going to pastor my first church there. The, the people of that church were really nice. It, it wasn't that they weren't generous. They, they, were, they were generous people. It's just that it was a really small church, and there was only so much money that came in in the offering plate every Sunday. And so when I moved there, I knew that, that Annette would have to get a job, and I would have to get a job, and then the church would pay us some, but I would have to work part-time. And so 
um, I got a job delivering newspapers. I don't know if you've ever done this job or not, but it's a little bit fascinating. You get pretty good at this, okay? So what you do is you throw this stack of newspapers over here in your um, passenger seat, and you actually fold the newspapers as you're driving with your knee, okay, on the steering wheel. And then you've got hanging from your rearview mirror this this thing of, of sleeves, this plastic wrappers that you put the newspaper in. So you grab the paper, you fold it twice, and I mean, you see, I still got it, right? I mean, you can do it. And then you throw it in the sleeve, and then you throw it, you grab another one, and you throw it out that one. You throw in both windows. Both windows are open. It's cold. It's, you know, it's winter time. And you're, and you're just doing it. You would be surprised that people actually, people actually stand outside in their nightgown and robe waiting at 4.30 in the morning for their paper. And one morning, man, I've got my route down. I know exactly what's going on. You know, I'm throwing and going. And, and when I let this paper go, just as soon as it leaves my hand, I see this lady standing there in a nightgown and robe, okay? And, and as I'm just getting by her, I just hear her go, oh! I mean, I know they're right in the gut. You know, I get out of my car. I stop. I said, I'm so sorry. She goes, no, I'm okay. And she just hobbles off back to her house, you know. <laughs> Here's what I would do. I, I, I would go home. I would get up at 3.30 in the morning, throw newspapers, go home, get a shower. Annette was working across the city, across Nashville. I would drive her to work because we only had one car. Then I would drop Brittany at her daycare. And then I would come to work. And then in the afternoon, I would go all the way back across Nashville, get Annette, come back, pick up Brittany, and we would be home. It was kind of a long day. It just started way too early for a guy like me, you know. So this was the life we were living. So one day a guy named Larry, who went to our church, called me, and he said, "Um, do you think maybe you and Annette and Britt could stop by the house um, tonight? Are y'all busy? And uh, we'd like to talk to you about something. And, and I said, you know, I think we can. I don't think we have anything going. We'll stop by. What time? You know, and so, okay, well, I'll get Annette from work and Brittany, and we'll come by. And so we go over to their house. We get in the house, and he says, I wondered if you happened to notice that old Toyota Corolla sitting in the driveway, the, the copper-colored one. I said, yeah, I noticed it when I walked in. He said, well, my mom bought it for me years ago, gave it to me as a gift, and I've driven it for years, and... We've had other cars, and it sits there most of the time. Once in a while, I drive it to get it going. It's got a lot of miles on it. It's not very pretty, but everything on it works. It's in good condition. And I, I watch how you, you know, are shuffling around with one car, and Joy's a notary, and it's in my name. And if you would accept it as a gift, I'd like to sign the title over to you, and you can drive it home tonight. Oh, listen, man, me and Annette, we started crying, you know, ugly face cry, everything. We're hugging them, we're slobbering all over them and stuff, and just, can't believe you do this. I mean, we were so grateful. Back up. What if I would have said, Larry, come to your house tonight? <laughs> Larry, I got to get up at 3.30 in the morning, do my paper route. Then I come back and get a shower, and I got to take a nap all the way across Nashville to work. Then I'll come back and try to figure out how to be a pastor because I'm just learning how to do this. I'm not good at it at all. Then I got to go back across Nashville, get a nap, come back and get Brittany. I don't think we can make it over tonight, Larry. I'm, I'm really glad that we went over. 
Now go back to the text. You, did you see this little detail in the text, which implies something? And the detail is that Jesus calls her. Come. I love Lewis's prayer this morning. Sometimes Jesus just says, come. So here's this little lady all bent over, and Jesus says, come. She didn't have to go. What does he want? I don't know what he's going to do. What, why should I go over there? What's he going to ask of me if I go? It was none of that. What's implied in the text is she goes forward close enough that he can lay his hands on her. Just hear me for a minute. When Jesus calls you, respond. If Jesus says, come, just just go. I don't know what he's going to ask of me. She didn't either. When Jesus calls, just come. You know what people talk to me all the time about? Jesus calling them. Sounds like this. Pastor Rick, I really felt like I should. I really felt like the Lord was asking me to. For a long time, I felt like God's been trying to get my attention. He's been... All these years, God never let up on me, Pastor Rick. He kept speaking to me. When God calls, just respond. And here this little bent-over lady waddles over to Jesus. And he says, you are set Free And he lays his hand on her, and she straightens all the way up. I want to celebrate. You want to celebrate? Um, I'm the only one who wants to celebrate? <laughs> I want to celebrate when Jesus does stuff like this. I watch Jesus do stuff like this. So, while I say I want to celebrate, everybody didn't want to celebrate. Why don't you want to celebrate? Because... Because why? Because there is an issue here. What's the issue? It's the Sabbath. You can't heal on the Sabbath. Did you know you couldn't even put salve on a wound on the Sabbath? Why? Does the Bible say you can't do it? No, not the Bible. Does God say you can't do it? No, not God. Who says you can't do it? Well, it's scribal law. It's like scribes and teachers of the law. They kind of wrote this code out of what work was. And that was one of the things you can't do, you can't heal. And Jesus says, you hypocrites, you are more concerned about keeping every detail of the scribal law than you are concerned about this poor little lady and her situation. Try for once in your life to understand the spirit of the law. You hypocrites. Here's what you find in Jesus. In that illustration is you find that Jesus is full of compassion. Okay, you got to listen to me. I'm going to get going here. Jesus cares about people, all right? That's what you learn about Jesus. Here, it even gets better, okay? Not only does Jesus care about people, Jesus cares about the situation people are in. Are you hearing me? Okay, it gets even better. Jesus not only cares about the situation, when you are broken, it's a big deal with Jesus, 
It was such a big deal with Jesus that he knew he was going to be criticized. And he said, I don't care. This lady has a situation. She's living in brokenness. And I want her to be whole again. Jesus still comes to places of worship. And he still calls people to himself. And he still puts his hands on them. And he still heals And he forgives. And he restores. And he makes new. So here's where I scratch my head, all right? I say, if Jesus is here today, which I believe he is. Do you believe he's here today? Okay. And and you're here today. Do you believe you're here today? And you're broken. Then why do people come and leave still broken. That's what makes me scratch my head. If Jesus is here, and we're here, and we're broken, then why in the world do we walk out the doors still broken? Now, I know the pat answer. I understand it. Don't, I don't even want you to give it to me. I know it's this deal. Of, well, it's not always God's will to heal everybody every time, because if he did, then nobody would ever die. I know I got all that. But it's this idea of God, if you are not finding it in your will to calm this storm that's going on right now in my life, then God, would you please calm the storm in me? Did you know that there have been many times in my life that my circumstances did not change? But I was set free. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like my circumstances were still like they were, but I was actually free. And I wish I could tell you that I laid that burden down, but I don't think I did. I think what happened was Jesus came and he lifted the burden off of me. And he said, hey, Ricky, worrying yourself sick is not going to make it better for anybody. Let me just take that load off of you. You can't carry this any longer. Man, I was free. Now, I can't let you out of the room this morning without telling you something that's um, something that you want to take with you when you leave here today, okay? And, um, and, and it's, about, it's about healing, all right? Because the motivation that I find to do what I do with my life. Now, I'm, I'm here because I believe God has called me to come here. And God has called me to be in ministry today. So I'm living my life Uh, out of obedience to him that's my desire that's my goal that's what i believe i'm doing but i want you to hear me okay i get highly motivated when i think about people getting healed all right so annette and i the other night it was our day off we were getting ready to get in our car my phone buzzes i look at my phone and it says um, dad just passed away this was out of nowhere I look at Annette, I read her the text, and she says, oh my goodness, let's go. We jump in the car, and we drive across Oklahoma City, and we run into this emergency room, and back to this little cubicle, and here's a family, and there's a body covered up, and they're all standing there, and they're crying, and they're holding each other, and all we could do is just hold them and pray with them. I'm talking about brokenness. 
I want to see God heal them. It's when I get an email and somebody says, Pastor, I am so depressed right now, I can barely get myself out of bed and dressed and out the door. I mean, I want to see God heal that kind of brokenness. Or it's when Lewis calls and says, uh, Hey, Rick, we just learned that uh, somebody else has cancer. Man, I want to see that person healed. It's, it, it's, when, it's when I get word that another family has fallen apart. I want to see God put a family back together again. It's when I meet somebody whose life has just been ravaged by sin. And they are so completely broken. I want to see God put their life back together. Now, now here's what happens. This picture that you're looking at, this story right here, okay, it's a picture of if God doesn't create the brokenness and the enemy does, right, Satan does, then here's what the picture gives you. It's a picture of showing us that Jesus, okay, Jesus has authority over Satan and his power and whatever he breaks. Can you say resurrection power, the death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. Jesus expressed his power over Satan and he has authority over the enemy. And whatever the enemy breaks, guess who can put broken pieces back together? Jesus can. So whatever it is, it's broken in your life. It's not irreparable. Jesus is omnipotent. He can do anything. And so I thought today, as I was really excited all week about sharing these encouraging words with you, that we would pray together before we left. So why don't you stand with me? And I've asked a few pastors to come down and stand on either side here of the altar. And so I want you to feel this incredible freedom. I don't want it to be the kind of thing of where if you really want to come, come on. No, it's like if you want to come, you should come. And you may be like me today. You may say, Rick, I don't, I don't personally, I don't have something, you know, in my life right now where I feel great brokenness. But here's where I'm at. There is somebody in my life that I love so much. I don't have words to tell you how much I love her. She's broken. I can't help but carry this with her. I can't help but pray for her. I can't help but send her texts call her. I want to be there for her. So maybe you've got somebody in your life who is living with brokenness and you want to pray for them today. I think that's a great idea. So if you want to be anointed and prayed for for physical healing, one of our pastors would anoint you. If you just want to come to one of them and say, man, I'm broken. I want you to pray for me. Let them pray. If you have spiritual brokenness in your life, don't live with it. Jesus can heal that brokenness. So before we go today, I just think we ought to just say, you know what? I don't care who's here. I got some stuff going on. I'm going to come and pray. Come as a family. Come as a couple. Go get somebody that you believe in who prays for you and ask them to come with you. 
Let's pray today for healing before we go.
still come and pray if you like, and you can linger and pray if you like, or you can get with a friend and pray if you like. When you leave, leave quietly, okay? Let me give you good words to Him who can do way more, abundantly more, than we could ever ask or imagine. Be glory and power forever. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.